It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Washington football team, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, everybody, we welcome you to a crossover Thursday edition of the Locked on Washington football team podcast. I'm your host, Chris Russell. Coming up, we will go crossover style with David Harrison, Locked on Bucks. That's right. We will have you covered from head to toe. Spend a special shout out to my guy, Logan Paulson, uh, who always promotes the podcast and always listens to the crossover episode. Uh, So I appreciate uh, Logan uh, saying some nice words, and he does a tremendous job. If you are into film breakdowns, make sure you give Logan a follow on Instagram. That's where he's doing it all, at Logan underscore Paulson82 uh, is uh, where you find his work. So, again, a special shout-out to him. We are brought to you on today's episode by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful diamond ring, launching exclusively on January the 18th at BlueNile.com. This exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings Launches on January the 18th, and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. All right, and away we go right here on a crossover Thursday edition. We're going to have a quick injury report, and then we're going to step aside uh, because we want to save as much of the episode for what we do crossover Thursday for, right? That makes sense, being that it is crossover Thursday. An injury report from Wednesday for both teams uh, looked like this. For the Washington football team, once again, Thomas Davis Sr. did not practice. Um, he's scheduled to retire at the end of the year. I, you know, he's not practicing. He's not playing. Can't imagine he's playing this weekend. Um, so, you know, there you have that. Uh, Antonio Gibson was limited. Terry McLaurin, limited, of course, with his ankle. Both did not practice on Tuesday during the walkthrough, even though they were out there. So Wednesday being an official practice, being that they were limited, good sign. Now, Kendall Fuller was added to the injury report on Wednesday. He was limited. He was not listed on Tuesday. So something came up overnight or early Wednesday or maybe during the practice in which he was limited. Uh, so that is something that we have to keep an eye on as well. Kevin Pierre-Lewis and Brandon Sheriff uh, limited. And then the big one was Alex Smith was limited 
uh, as well. And I was out at practice. It was very cold and windy out at uh, the Anova Sports Performance Center on Wednesday, and Alex wasn't doing anything. Now, Ron Rivera said he threw before we got there, uh, and he looked good, but he wasn't doing anything except standing around with a snow beanie hat uh, and watching Taylor Heineke and Steven Montez get some first-team reps very early on uh, in the practice. But you know, you have to kind of take them at their word. I mean, he was limited last week, the last two days of the practice week. So last week it was Thursday and Friday. Uh, this week it's going to be Wednesday and Thursday. Obviously, he'll have a walkthrough or they'll have a walkthrough on Friday. And he's expected to play, meaning Alex Smith. And so is Terry McLaren. And so is Antonio Gibson. So reasonably speaking, Washington is you know, fairly healthy. They're banged up. They've got some guys that are limited, but everyone is practicing outside of Thomas Davis Sr., who, you know, I I mean, I I don't want to be mean, but is in the big picture is largely insignificant. For Tampa Bay, Mike Evans did not participate. Jeremiah Ledbetter, defensive lineman, once again, did not participate. Jason Pierre-Paul did not participate. Carlton Davis was limited after being a DNP during Tuesday's walkthrough. And again, the way they do the walkthrough is that's an estimation of what players would have done if the team had practiced. So when it says DNP, that's not he didn't do anything. That's if they had a full practice as opposed to a walkthrough, what would they have done? So Carlton Davis is their best corner. And he was limited, so that's a good sign that he's trending in the right direction for Tampa Bay. Ronald Jones and LaShawn McCoy, two running backs, were both full. So again, Evans did not participate, but everyone that I've talked to in the media, and it's just the media, expects him to play. They say he's tough as nails, he's been here too long, um, he's never made the playoffs before, Tampa Bay hasn't made the playoffs since 2007 season that there's pretty much no chance that Mike Evans is not going to play. So we will certainly see, but that is what people are saying, that Mike Evans will very likely play, uh, and they'll basically have to drag him out of the stadium uh, in order to not get him to play. All right, so that's the injury report from Wednesday's practice. Uh, We will have a further update to that on Friday. Uh, in terms of the Thursday injury report. This is a crossover Thursday. I'm Chris Russell. Good to have you with us as we take you through and get you set for the Buccaneers and the Washington football team. That's next. All right, I'm Chris Russell. We're here for Built Bar. That's right, Built Bar, 18 total flavors that you know. And we tell you about them all the time because we love Built Bar, right? Six new flavors, including caramel brownie. I got some of those. They are delish. They are delish. Lemon almond cheesecake, cookies and cream, apple almond crisp, carrot cake, if that's your thing. Hey, 12 original flavors, including raspberry, German chocolate, my favorites, peanut butter, mint brownie, salted caramel, and peanut butter brownie. I love those uh, the best. I've tried them all. They are delish. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious dude. Bars are low in calories, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, great for any diet, including keto. 
Try it out. BuiltBar.com, guys. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. Use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code Locked On for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, everybody, we welcome you to a special crossover edition Thursday style right here on the Locked on Washington football team podcast and the Locked on Bucks podcast. That's right, because it is playoff week. It is wild card round playoff week, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Washington football team are meeting up Saturday night. FedEx Field, 8.15 Eastern time. You, of course, watch it on NBC nationally and joining us right now on this crossover edition is David Harrison. He's the co-host of the Locked on Bucks podcast, uh, which you, of course, can hear him and his co-host, James, throughout the week. Uh, and they do a great, great job. And uh, David, happy new year. Thanks for doing this. As always, great to be on with you. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good, Chris. Happy New Year to you as well and to your Washington football team audience. Hope everybody out there is doing well. And yeah, playoff football. I mean, who would have thought you know, in the early summer. I mean, once Tom Brady came to Tampa, I think we started thinking about it, but mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think we anybody could have predicted how the season went down. And I mean, just happy to be here, a full season in the books. And then uh, the postseason looks like it's going to get underway pretty well as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, and, and you know, when you say nobody could have expected, I mean, yeah, you're right. I think Tom Brady is obviously expected to make the playoffs every year. Nobody could have expected Washington, uh, especially with all that they had to overcome and a one of five start and a two and seven start. And here we are with this big game. So let's, uh, I know we're, you're going to ask me some questions about, you know, Washington, uh, you know, I'm, I'm of course fascinated by everything Tom Brady does. Uh, and, you know, I've talked to a couple of people this week. I, as a matter of fact, I actually asked Ron Rivera on, um, on Wednesday about this. Uh, so I'm curious on your thoughts. Tom was known as more of a short passing game, for the most part, uh, type passer, a lot of pick routes, rub routes, that type of thing, little crossers, you know, get the ball out of his hands pretty quickly, lack of mobility. That's kind of Josh McDaniel's system. Right in New England, but when you go to Tampa, when you make the decision, and you know Bruce Arians has always liked to throw deep, mm-hmm. and clearly they have had some success there, but I know there were some struggles. Yeah. How would you say the evolution has gone over this first year, 16 games in, to Tom's transition from, again, what they mostly ran in New England to what they like to run here in Tampa? You know, I think... Uh, the reason that Tom Brady is in Tampa is because of the differences. Like when you, when you look at uh, coach Belichick and you look at coach Arians, I mean, I don't know if they're complete polar opposites, but they're pretty, pretty different type of personalities. When you, when you look, especially talking to the media, you know, Bruce Arians uh, is, is not going to shy away from really any question. He's going to tell you exactly what he thinks. And he'll, he'll tell it to you a hundred times. If you ask him the same question a hundred times, uh, whereas bill is more likely to shut you down than, than anything after being asked the same question twice. Um, and then, you know, you have Bruce Arians in his high-flying style. I think Tom Brady was looking, you know, at that stage in his career. He had already accomplished everything. I mean, he's not – he wasn't going to go out of Tampa as being, you know, less than the greatest quarterback to ever play. Like, I think that legacy was already cemented. So he was looking to get back to the fun 
of playing football and, and you can't blame New England for doing what they do, but it's kind of their mantra, do your job and just do it well and everything will take care of itself. And so they don't need a quarterback to throw, you know, 50 yard bombs, 60 yard bombs. Whereas Bruce Arian says, do your job, but your job is to throw those bombs. And I think he's, he's having fun doing it. He's loving doing it. And then, yeah, there was a stretch there in the middle of the season where they really quite weren't, they weren't on the same page. The receivers and the quarterback weren't quite on the same page. The pass rush uh, was getting home to Tom a little bit more than everybody liked. But then as you see later in the season, they're getting back on the same page. He and Mike Evans, I've uh, had, had an amazing stretch of four games here to complete the season, uh, especially in yard production to get Mike Evans that record and, and to beat Randy Moss to that, you know, seventh straight 1000 yard uh, season to start his career. I think a lot of those things are what attracted Tom Brady to Tampa. And I think what we're seeing in the later part of the season is Tom Brady's pretty much been fine this entire time. What's needed to get fixed is the communication and the, and the cohesion between he and his, his receivers and even Rob Gronkowski getting fully into football shape. And I think, like I said, the last quarter of, this, of the season, that's what you're seeing. He and Mike Evans are, are in rhythm. He and Antonio Brown are getting back in rhythm. He and Chris Godwin, really, as long as Chris has been healthy, they've been great. Um, and then you see Rob Gronkowski getting to peak shape. I mean, I don't know that we've seen Rob Gronkowski play this well since maybe 2015. Um, and, and they're all just primed for the playoffs if Mike can get over that knee injury. And specifically that, let's start with the, and it's interesting because, you, you know, Gronk, Gronk has had so many injuries and yet he's been able to stay mostly healthy uh, right. this year. And here Evans is and midweek. And I think the expectation, I, I don't know if you share this, but the expectation, I think that everyone I've talked to says he's going to play. Would you yeah. be, uh, I, I guess the best way I could ask it on a scale of one to 10, 10 being <laughs> a definite he'll play, where are you at on, on that scale? I mean, I'm going to say 10, like I would like to go over 10, but I'm going to say 10 just because <laughs> basically unless the doctors, like unless there's some sort of like NFL medical protocol that he just can't pass, that doesn't let them clear him to play. He's going to play. Right. That's it. Yep. That's, <laughs> that's the that, only thing. That's the only thing stopping him. And it's I mean, that's simple. Yeah. Cause I mean, Mike at the end of the day, like he's, he's been playing too long, you know, and he's not right. even the, the, the eldest player, the longest player on this Buccaneers roster without a playoff spot. You look at guys like Will Golson and Levante David have been grinding for this Tampa Bay Buccaneers franchise without making it to the postseason, even had a 10 win season there once and didn't still didn't make it to the postseason because the NFC South was just that stacked that year. Um, but Mike Evans is still, you know, on that list. He's a guy who set all these records. I mean, He's he's best in Randy Moss's start of his career in a lot of ways, but he doesn't have near the accolades that Randy Moss had at this point in their careers. And a lot of that has to do with winning. Um, so so to get to the postseason, I mean, Mike is a family first guy. So if the if the medical, you know, is just telling like, dude, look, you're you're putting your entire family's you know future on the line. Like da, da, da. like if they can can leverage it to that that point, he will eventually listen to reason. But it's gonna take a lot. Uh, to keep him off that field. Right. Uh, I think everybody understands how good Antonio Brown still is, but what mm. have you seen? Because it seemed like he and Tom were off and they got off to a slow start. And really the offense kind of, I don't want to say hit rock bottom when he first got, got there, but that's right. what it kind of seemed. And now it seems like they are in sync and in rhythm. Yeah, I mean, when Antonio Brown first showed up, you know, Antonio is coming off of playing one game in the last two seasons. Uh, so he's got to get back in football shape. And then he and Tom have to get back on the same page. Uh, and they've got some practice restrictions and some other things going on. Uh, Tom and Mike Evans still weren't on the same page. Chris was was going through his injury. Scotty Miller is a guy that early in the season they relied on, but he had some soft tissue injuries that he's worked through. And really, I think for the last two weeks, maybe has been finally healthy again, but really up until then wasn't. Uh, and again, and Rob Gronkowski still wasn't in complete football shape. So, I mean, 
it was just kind of a perfect storm of all these talented names needing to just get all all the tracks in line and get all the wheels on the right path and and line everything up and and uh, they've been able to do that and it's just through hard work and and you know nobody's been getting frustrated there's been no reports or you know no nobody's witnessing anybody you know yelling at each other on the sideline that's something mm-hmm. that I think with with a guy like Mike Evans that's why he's so so such a favorite among Buccaneers fans not just for the production you know and obviously he's a star receiver but because of the way he approaches the game I mean there's not, you know, you can you can think of a of a handful of wide receivers in NFL history off the top of your head that would have never survived this Tampa Bay Buccaneers environment that he's been going through. But Mike not only takes it in stride, but almost wears it as a badge of honor to say that I'm going to be part of the solution here with this franchise. And so every time they struggle, every time they fall short of expectation, he just keeps plugging away. So you knew that this season, with everything going on, with some of the struggles they did suffer in say games, you know, five through ten. Uh, some, somewhere around there, that he was never going to give up. He was never going to quit. They were never going to throw in the throw in the towel, uh, as they say, and that he and Tom and Antonio and Chris and Rob were all going to figure this thing out. And and it's great to see them do it and finally get there because you know how hard they've worked for it. David Harrison is the co-host of the Locked on Bucks podcast with James Yarko. Uh, you can, uh, of course, listen t- to them each and every day of the week. They do a tremendous job on the Locked on Bucks podcast, and uh, we're doing crossover Thursday as we get you set for Saturday night's playoff game between Tom Brady and the Buccaneers uh, and Alex Smith and the Washington football team. Um, all right, so David, I, I, I'm, I'm so curious on a, on a number of things. Let me try and get through as many things as I can. This offensive line for Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. um, you know, I know Tristan Wirfs has been really impressive as a rookie on the right side. I know Ali Marpet missed a couple of games, and that really hurt them. Right. Uh, it seems like Ryan Jensen has been okay, and it's a little bit of a badass at, at, at center. <laughs> um, and and um, the, the uh, left tackle, Donovan, um, Donovan Smith, uh, yeah. Donovan Smith. Uh, sorry. I'm having a little bit of a brain freeze. I'm, I was thinking Donovan McNabb for whatever reason, <laughs> uh, yeah, too many, too many bad stories and nightmares about that. Uh, Donovan <laughs> Smith has, you know, struggled a little bit, but how would mm-hmm. you, how would you say this offensive line is, is gelling together right now at the most critical juncture? Lately, they've been playing really well. Um, and, and there's a little bit to be said about the level of competition they face in the last quarter of the season. Uh, they had the Atlanta Falcons twice and then the Detroit Lions in there. And, and I mean, that's, you know, that's not going to blow anybody's socks off. But the the big thing there, when you look at the left tackle position, especially Donovan Smith is a player that Buccaneers fans love to hate. Like uh, if, if, if there's pressure issues happening with Tom Brady uh, and really even going back to Jameis Winston, Donovan Smith is most likely the source of that pressure. And Buccaneers fans are not hesitant uh, to, to point that out on social media and the media is not hesitant to ask questions about it, of course, uh, as soon as it comes up and Donovan's used to it. He used to combat people on social media about it, but I think he's learned over the years. That's kind of a losing battle. No matter, even if you win the argument, you're still going to lose the image, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So he's kind of, he, he's kind of backed away from that, but really, I mean, Donovan's having one of his better years as a, as an NFL professional. I still wouldn't put him in the top five, you know, he may not even be in the top 10 of, of NFL left tackles, but I mean, he's a serviceable left tackle. Uh, and something that we have to tell people on our show all the time is there are not, you know, there's not 35 starting left tackles walking around this country, walking around this globe, just waiting for an NFL roster to come get them. Unfortunately, there are going to be some t- some teams that have a little bit of a deficiency, especially at, the, at one of those positions because of how difficult it really is to do. But Donovan has slowly but surely become, I wouldn't say a strength, but less of a liability. You know, and then uh, when you look across the line, Ali Marpet, just consummate professional. And yeah, missing those games with a concussion. You had Joe Haig come in and he didn't do very well. And then A.Q. Shipley came in, filled in admirably, but then he ended up having a career-ending injury. 
Uh, Ryan Jensen is, is like you said, he's at Pitbull, which is just funny because off the field, he's the nicest guy in the world, but you right. put him between those lines and he just turns into a monster. Uh, Tristan Wirfs, you know, we all think he's a rookie of the year candidate, but we know a right tackle is not going to win offensive rookie of the year. Um, and then Alex Kappa, the right guard that nobody talks about. It's, it's awesome that nobody talks about it because it's sh- about him. Cause it shows how consistent he's been uh, during his time starting there, his second year starting as a right guard there. So they're coming together. Uh, but you know, everybody also knows that defensive front for Washington, especially guys like Chase Young, Montez Sweat, uh, are going to create problems. And a lot of people are kind of wondering, you know, a lot, well, a lot of people in, in Bucks fan uh, fandom are talking about Chase Young versus Tristan Wirfs, mm-hmm. but it's going to be Chase Young versus Donovan Smith uh, yep. more more often than not. So yeah. uh, I think I think once Bucks fans realize that it's Donovan Smith that's going to be facing number ninety nine there, they might get a little bit more nervous. Uh, but Tom Brady is aware of where Chase Young is going to be. And I know for a fact that even just yesterday, he and his offensive linemen were off on the side during practice, during the walkthrough, uh, working on calls and adjustments and shifts uh, to make sure that they're as as prepared as they can be to face that Washington defense. Yeah, because they will flip occasionally Chase Young to the left side, but mostly, mostly he's on the right side and Montez Sweat is on the left side. Now, of course, they have the former first-round pick, Ryan Kerrigan, who can come in and create a little hay. And uh, they're pretty good up the middle and the interior, too, with uh, Allen Payne and Tim Settle. Um, Let me ask you. Imagine they still had Ioannidis out there. Yeah, no, you're right. And, (laughs) you know, hopefully he'll be back uh, next year and healthy. Um, Let me ask you about the running backs, Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, because I know at one point I think Fournette got – Maybe I, I think it was a healthy inactive or something right. uh, like that. And Rojo's kind of been, you know, um, I, I don't know how you feel, but he's kind of been, you know, the, maybe the way they use him a little bit mm-hmm. of a mystery. Um, tell me what you see back there. And if if Washington tries to take away the deep vertical stuff and try to keep everything in front of them like they did kind of against Seattle a couple of weeks ago, uh, do you think that Tampa would be committed enough to run the football to a point where they could really hurt and crease Washington with those guys uh, and their mentality? Yeah, so my answer to that is going to be yes right now, and that's based off of recent history. But if you look over the the entire scope of 2020, uh, the answer would be no. They'll actually they'll absolutely abandon the run game to try to force the pass game to work if they can't. And that's obviously a problem. Um, that's something that we saw happen against New Orleans, set a modern NFL record for fewest run attempts in a game right. uh, while they're getting blown out. And, and you know, you get that to, to a certain extent in the middle third and, you know, fourth quarters. But in the first quarter, second quarter, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And I think that the, this, this coaching staff, and especially Byron Leftwich, has learned from some of those mistakes. And we did see them. I mean, they came out, they fell down, or they fell behind early to Atlanta Falcons by 17 points, and they still kind of stick, stuck with the run game. And they were able to claw back into there and really lean on that run game to force the Atlanta Falcons defense to play them honest. And they were able to use that to exploit some things down the field because the Falcons couldn't just pin their ears back at their pass rush and then keep their keep their secondary ready for that for those passing plays. Um, so I think they've learned that. So I want to rely on that a little bit. My concern really with the Buccaneers running game, because when when Ronald Jones gets his opportunities, he's great. You know, when he has the opportunity to one, get into a rhythm, get a lot of usage, you know, he's not usually going to break a big 20 yard rush and probably his first five carries. But maybe that sixth, seventh, eighth carry is a, is a nice twenty yarder, and then of course he had the nice ninety eight yarder earlier in the season as well. Um, and he's he's got some of that. He's gotten better, I think, this season as a pass uh, receiver. The problem with Rojo right now still is his pass protection, and, and that's where this Washington matchup concerns me the most with the run game because if Chase Young or if you know all those names that you already rattled off and that we've been talking about, if they can get pressure 
on Tom Brady early, that's going to force Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians to put Leonard Fournette in there more as a, as a pass protector because he is the better pass protector in that, in that running back room. And obviously, if Leonard Fournette's on the field, Rojo's on the sideline, and that's, a, and that's an aspect of the offense that you no longer have, and that just makes it a little bit more simple for the Washington defense to now defend that offense, knowing that Ronald Jones, who prior to his injury there towards the end of the season was the NFL's fifth leading rusher, mm -hmm. uh, is standing on the sideline with his helmet off instead of on the field looking to get the ball. Uh, David, let's switch over to the defense before we run too long here. I, I mean, listen, Todd Bowles, everybody knows he's an aggressive yeah. defensive coordinator, uh, but everybody, I, I guess, well, maybe not everybody knows that if there's a, a suspect area, if you will, I know Devin White's out, uh, but it would be at corner, especially if Carlton mm -hmm. Davis uh, is able, unable to play or is limited or gets re-injured or, or what have you. Um, how do you look at this defense in general and, and how they will attack? Do you think Todd will be conservative at first, trying to stop them naturally, or do you think he'll be aggressive and try and throw the kitchen sink at Alex Smith uh, because he's banged up and because they might not be able to block an aggressive attack? Yeah, I mean, I think you're going to get four rushers every snap, you know what I mean? And in a 3-4 base defense, that's technically an extra, you know, whatever. Um, I don't know that you'll get more than five on a whole lot, especially with Devin Whiteout. I mean, Kevin Mincer comes in. And he's a very capable, you know, veteran backup, uh, special teams captain for the team. And he has a little bit of, you know, uh, some some juice to be able to blitz on his own as well from the off-ball linebacker position. But really his skill is in playing smart, you know, sealing edges, especially against guys like Antonio, Antonio Gibson, kind of keeping them from, from getting outside or finding those big holes uh, and those big lanes to run through or, or playing in pass coverage. Um, those are kind of more his strengths. He's not going to really jump off the page. I mean, he led the entire game. Uh, in week 17, both defenses and tackles, but really nobody was talking about. And that's just kind of who Kevin Minter is. He's that quiet professional that comes out there and does that job, which is great. The problem is you can't really get a whole lot of exotic looks with a guy like that. You know what I mean? So that'll definitely simplify things. And against quarterback like Alex Smith, if he's able to play or play the full game or even play part of the game, that's going to be a problem. And even, even uh, Taylor Heineken, I mean, he's been around football enough to be able to, to diagnose defenses when they get a little bit more simplified. And so I think where you have a concern there is, is the, the Buccaneers have to be able to get home with their front three, their front four, and front five, depending on, you know, Shaq Bear, JPP, what they have them doing. They will drop them off in coverage as well. So I think you'll see a little bit of a combination, but I think really without Vita Vea and then Steve McClendon, you know, we missed week 17. We'll see how he is uh, for this. If, if Carlton Davis can't return, especially, I think you're going to see more of a little bit of a bend, don't break type of defense for the Buccaneers. And that's not what people are really expecting from Todd Bowles. But uh, over the last few weeks, you've seen opposing offenses get a lot of six minute drives against this defense that end up in field goal tries. And when you look at the Minnesota Vikings, those were field goal misses, you know, but when you look at the Atlanta Falcons, you know, those are, are made field goals. But then if Tom Brady and his unit on the other side are able to put points on the board and put pressure on the opposing offense, that's where you force, you know, guys like, you know, Raheem Morris or, or uh, you know, Ron Rivera this weekend, if they can, to maybe go for it on fourth down or take some gambles where they wouldn't otherwise. And it is still a very opportunistic defense there in Tampa, even without some of those key players. So if they force, force Washington's offense to do some things that they're not necessarily wanting to do, that's when those guys can kind of take advantage. You see Levante David, who just set a franchise record for forced fumbles this last weekend. That's where you see those defensive players kind of take advantage and look for takeaways. 
Uh, David, we'll come back and we'll talk about the Washington football team. I know you have a couple of questions that you want uh, uh, to answer, and uh, we'll talk more about this matchup. Great insight and analysis, of course, uh, on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are indeed coming to FedEx Field on Saturday night. This is a crossover Thursday edition of the Locked on Bucks and Locked on Washington football team podcast, along with David Harrison. I'm Chris Russell. Good to have you with us. And of course, a happy new year. We're right back in a flash. All right, we're here for betonline.ag. That's right. You don't want to just watch the action. If you want to get in on the action this weekend with six big NFL playoff games, there's only one place for you to go. It's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. Guys, if you want a little sizzle on the Washington football team and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or any of the other five playoff games, again, you'll go to one place, betonline.ag. I won a couple of bucks last Sunday night betting that the Washington football team and the Philadelphia Eagles, neither team, would score 40 points. It was easy, I know, but still, I had a little fun. I had a little juice on the game, and it makes it a better experience, win or lose. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus for your first deposit at Bet Online, your online sports book experts. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, guys, back now. Crossover Thursday here at the Locked On Podcast Network. David Harrison, Locked On Bucks, and Chris Russell, Locked On Washington football team. Talking about wild card football and Chris... Uh, I know for a fact, you know, I, I've been listening to your show for a while now, and I've even gone back and listened to some shows that I missed. And uh, I'm not going to call out one of our fellow hosts on the network, but I know for a fact there was a certain host uh, from a certain team in your division who very early in the year said he's not worried about the Washington football team. <laughs> uh, and it turns out that that guy's team is, is sitting at home while Ron Rivera and that team that he wasn't worried about are hosting a wild card matchup. So um, great things that in 2020 as well. And, and I mean, Ron Rivera, full, full disclosure, my listeners know this Ron Rivera is one of my favorite coaches in the national football league. Uh, last time I got to be near him, he was still coaching Carolina. It was at the, at the NFL combine. And I mean, I sat there and watched his press, you know, his press time. I have nothing to ask him. I mean, you know, I could ask him some things covering the bucks, but I'm really just sitting there just listening to him talk. And then I got a few minutes with him on the side just to say hello and, you know, see how everything's doing. So one of my favorite guys, you know, in the league and all that stuff. So happy to see this team having some early success, you know, relative success (laughs) um, uh, in in the first year there. Um, Yeah. Yeah. He he's, I mean, I mean, listen, he, you know, you know, this David, he, he's a football coach's football coach. Like, I mean, make no mistake about it. He gets agitated about some things and he'll get short when he wants to get short. But for the most part, Ron is uh, very transparent. Ron is uh, easy to get a good answer from. If you ask a good question, he's not going to belittle you or anything like that. If you ask him, you know, maybe a generic question or anything, uh, but he's really good and thoughtful and, um, 
Uh, some would call it long-winded. I'm used to being long-winded, so I appreciate it. I get it. Yeah. I understand it. But, you know, Ron is what I would call, you know, kind of a salt-of-the-earth uh, type person. Listen, he's going to light you up and get into you if you screw up and if you make him look bad. But if you do what he says – and from a football player perspective, and if you buy in and if you give 110%, Ron's going to be your guy and absolutely. Ron's going to support you. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and Chris, as we get into this game, I mean, uh, injury reports came out on Wednesday and I was surprised to see Kendall Fuller's name on there, limited participant on Wednesday due to a knee injury. I mean, what's the latest on that? Was that expected? Is that something that you knew was coming up? Uh, they no, know they that, did a walkthrough on Tuesday. And is there any real threat he won't play on Saturday? Yeah, he wasn't on it on Tuesday. So, you know, that, I, I mean, that's an interesting situation. I mean, you know, like sometimes guys just come in and they're a little bit sore or whatever. If Kendall Fuller can't go, then obviously they're in trouble. Now, they did play Fabian Moreau. Uh, more Sunday night in Philadelphia than they had been. And maybe that's A, by design. Maybe that's a good thing because uh, A, when you're kind of looking at this matchup with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, you're going to have multiple, multiple receivers and different, you know, sets and packages that you're going to have to run out more than, you know, sometimes just three corners. Uh, so you're going to have to mix it up. But number m- number two, maybe they knew something a little bit ahead of time with Kendall Fuller that they didn't necessarily put on uh, the injury report. That's kind of how the original Alex Smith injury happened. So, right. um, you know, sometimes, I mean, you know, again, Tuesday was a walkthrough. Wednesday was a full practice. Thursday, uh, here we'll, we'll and, you know, and we're recording this Wednesday night. Thursday, we'll kind of have a, a good idea. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't expect Kendall Fuller to miss this game, but he did miss the first two games of the year because of a knee injury. So, um, you know, we 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 didn't know that when we talked to Ron Rivera. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're going to have to kind of hammer down on that, if you will, mm-hmm. um, here after practice on Thursday. Okay. Yeah. Definitely something to keep an eye on for both sides. Cause I mean, Kendall Fuller's not out there against this offense, uh, that Tampa Bay has with Tom Brady rolling out there. That's obviously a, a big problem, even though there are some capable, uh, guys in there to pick up the slack. Uh, of course, Chris, you know, the, some headlines were made right after, uh, the, the Washington football team beat the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, I, myself, you know, Chase Young went on record and said, Hey, it's the media's job to stir things up. And I got to, you know, I, I chuckle at it because I say, yeah, I wrote an article about it too, Chase. You know, I get, get what you're saying. Um, but for those of you of, of them out there listening to the show that haven't heard it yet, I do have the clip. So I got to want to let them hear what Chase Young had to say as he ran off the field after defeating the Eagles. So that's uh, Chase Young running off the field saying he wants Tom. But Chris, uh, Chase Young wasn't the only person that came out and said that he wants uh, Tampa Bay to face the Washington football team in the playoffs. And I've got a little bit of a receipt here that I want to play, if that's okay. Yeah. Matchup that I I think that's, you know, pretty realistic, um, that would probably be the best for them. And I can't believe I'm saying this is Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. <laughs> um, you know, I think I think they handle the non-mobile quarterback way, 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 way better than they handle the mobile quarterback. And, you know, so if Teddy Bridgewater can still, and I know he's done some of it this year, but I mean, if he can, you know, buy extra time, move around, you know, that's going to be interesting, an interesting X and O type uh, situation in this game. So I, I, you know, ultimately as many weapons as Tampa has, and I still would pick Tampa in that game as much for their offense as it is their, I, I mean, as much for their defense as it is their offense, um, but I would think that's probably the best matchup for them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that so guy Chris, sounds like an 
idiot. <laughs> so obviously you you recognize your own voice, which is good. Uh, yeah. For those who haven't caught on yet, that is Chris Russell, host of Locked On Washington Football Team podcast, talking uh, a few weeks ago now, a couple weeks now, uh, to Bill Rossetti, the host of Locked On Panthers podcast. He asked you who you thought Washington would match up uh, against mm. best in the playoffs, you know, if that time were to come and you did pick the Buccaneers. And it wasn't disrespectful at all. I mean, I played the entire clip, so we could hear it wasn't, you know, a, a I want Tom Brady because right, we're going right. to take him down type of thing. Um, but, I mean, Chase wants him. You picked it as a good matchup. And listen, I think it's a good matchup, too. I'm looking forward to this game because I think it's going to be a fight that you want to see in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, so just what are your overall thoughts about this matchup now that it is here? And, and and again, I mean, listen, I would rather not go up against Rob Gronkowski, Cam Rate, uh, Ronald Jones, uh, Leonard Fournette, uh, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, uh, Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller. I would and oh, and Tom Brady and a good offensive line. I would rather not do that, right? I mean, if he, I mean, if if we're being totally honest, I, I would, you know, I, I would like. Um, you know, I, I would like a pedestrian opponent if I could get it right. Because right. this is a pedestrian Washington offense. Uh, the reason again, and I said it in the clip, the reason why is because they have indeed struggled all year long against teams that a can run the football and are committed to running it and be the mobile quarterback. So, uh, in addition to Tom not being a mobile quarterback, I don't know, and I didn't know then if Tampa was, we kind of discussed this last segment, if Tampa was really committed to running it. Now, I right. think there'll be enough in the lead in this game that Tampa will probably run it ultimately more than they have certainly in in, in several games this year and certainly not that, that Sunday night blowout. But those teams that are committed to that and can do it well, David, and again, have the mobile quarterback have given this defense fits all year long, and they probably yeah. give other defenses fits. So that's why I said that. That being said, Washington's defense, if they don't create two or three turnovers, two minimum, and ideally three, you know, they're, they're still, even if they play reasonably well, going to give up 24 points minimum in this game. And I just don't see, I just don't see the Washington offense being able to, I don't even know if they're going to score 20 plus, never right. mind 24 plus, and you might need 27 or 30. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's really going to be the biggest question in this game is, is can that, that offense in Tampa that suddenly become a very, very good first half offense uh, where they were struggling so much during the season beforehand, continue that pace and put a lot of pressure early on Alex Smith or Tyler he Taylor Heineke and whoever's leading that offense. Cause um, and, and I've heard you talk about this before, too, but uh, Scott Turner has, has gotten some criticism for relying on the more short intermediate uh, passing games, not taking those big shots. But this Buccaneer secondary, uh, and we did talk about this a little bit on the previous segment, um, they haven't done very well this year against teams that like to take shots down the field. Um, and it really kind of started with the Los Angeles Chargers. They're the, one, they're the ones who kind of outed this Buccaneers defense for maybe being a little bit susceptible to the deep ball. And then with the injury to Vita Vea impacting the pass rush as much as it has, even though this team is still up there in sacks, there, there is a drop off in that pass rush. A lot of other teams have, have tried to test that as well. And then you add into this game specifically, I know that Ron Rivera has said uh, they're playing with house money, which I love that analogy given his nickname is, as Riverboat Ron. They're basically playing with house money. Nobody expected them to be there anyway, anyway right? Uh, like like we referenced earlier, uh, nobody's worried about the Washington football team this season. So really, I mean, if they lose in the wild card round, it's not like a lot of people are going to say, oh, what a disappointment and da, da 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 But at the same time, you still want to win. Do you think that a combination of maybe some of that criticism, the Buccaneers' defensive history against deep ball teams, and the fact that they are, quote-unquote, playing with house money, 
impacts how Scott Turner calls his game against Todd Bowles' defense? You know, I mean, I, I've been trying to figure this out all week, right? Because I think you're going to be able to, I think you're going to need to take some deep shots. I think um, you're going to have to, look, this offense just doesn't work. It's a horizontal offense by nature, and it just does not work when they cannot run the ball, which I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball uh, and and want to run the ball. And when you don't have a mobile quarterback, as we discussed, uh, you know, with what hurts Washington's defense and Alex Smith is compromised and Heineke obviously has more mobility if they rotate him, him and or play, but this offense has worked at its best when they take a deep shot or two earlier in the game. And it doesn't have to be a 40 yard bomb down the field or anything like that, but sometimes, you know, you can do that. You run a deep post, you run a deep go, you run, you know, a, a deep in, intermediate crossing route kind of like between the linebackers and, and, and maybe the, you know, the, the back line, you know, something like that to loosen things up over the middle of the field and to loosen things up underneath so that they can do essentially what they want to do again, a more horizontal uh, offense and then get, you know, Logan Thomas matched up on a linebacker or on, um, you know, on the other safety, maybe not Winfield or, 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 or something like that. So mm. I would expect, especially if I would expect early, because if Alex Smith starts, as we expect, last week in Philadelphia, as the game wore on, he had less and less, ability to do stuff and they were just trying to get the ball out of his hands um so which meant quick drops like earlier in the game they were running five and seven step drops they were running him from shotgun uh and even from gun they were dropping him back out of that another three or four steps uh you know that type of thing so i would expect it earlier in the game to loosen up things as much as possible right away because i think david if you wait until the second quarter because your horizontal passing game is not working and you can't run the ball, you're going to be down 17 to nothing. And this is a horrible first half team on offense, on defense. It's not good either. They have been outscored wildly in the first half. And if you get down 17 to nothing to Tom Brady, I mean, you know, for the most part, especially with this offense, it is lights out and party over. So Uh, to me, you better start early and you better be aggressive early. Yeah, and talking about those those first half struggles, Chris, I mean, the Buccaneers have had some first half struggles themselves, uh, but you kind of look at they've kind of come out of that a little bit. I don't know if Washington came out of it as much as, as Tampa necessarily did, but going into this matchup, I mean, when you look at, you know, obviously the Washington defense is going to is gonna have a big say in this game, uh, holding teams to an average of 20.6 points per game uh, in, in 2020, which is very impressive. Uh, where does the halftime score need to be like how, like if there is a deficit for Washington, obviously if they're in the lead, you know, that's, that's even better. But if Washington has a deficit going into the locker room, let's say best case scenario, they're getting the ball to start the third quarter. How big can that deficit possibly be? Do you think for them to have a shot of coming back in the second half? You know, I I would say if it's anything more than 10, you know, they're going to be in in a lot of trouble. Now they are a strong second half team and they have been able to throw the football around the yard and get into a cohesion uh, and a rhythm on offense with Alex Smith, with Dwayne Haskins, who's no longer a part of this team in the second half after looking completely dead in the first half. But I would, I would also argue, you know, that was against teams like Detroit and 
and and and uh, you know Carolina late when they were playing very soft coverage. Seattle, which isn't a great defense this year. The Giants, uh, which was a good defense this year, but they, you know, again th- when they've been at their best is when they're pass, 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 mm-hmm. one dimensional. And I, again, uh, what I would consider lesser defenses than probably what the Bucks are going to throw at them. To me, if you're one dimensional because you can't or won't run the ball and if you're down by 10 12 13 whatever you know look you might be able to throw the rock and you might have some success and you might be able to get stay in the game but you're never going to climb that mountain and win this game uh because a you're going to have to stop tampa bay's offense and b you're going to have to be almost perfect on your own offense and against this defense i'm sorry i just don't see it like uh, there's too many you know too many penalties Uh, turnovers have been a major, major problem, David. I mean, they have had a couple of games with five turnovers in each Mm -hmm. of those games um, against the Giants uh, at home, against the Cleveland Browns uh, on the road. I mean, they've had a couple of games with three-plus turnovers. You know, I mean, they're going to have to obviously keep it to one turnover or none, uh, which is very hard to fathom that they're going to be able to do. And again, if they can be – a touchdown or, or less uh, at the half, then like, you'll feel like you got a shot. If they're down 13 points, I mean, everybody will say, Hey, you never know. But realistically, realistically, do we think if they're down by 13 at the half, they're coming back against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers and that defense uh, find me somebody who thinks that because I don't know where that person is. Yeah, that would definitely be a tough mountain to climb. Like you mentioned already. Um, and then this quarterback rotation business, you know, I don't, uh, some people think it's a little bit of smokescreen, but really, I mean, uh, from the reports I saw, Taylor Heineke took first team reps today. So, I mean, yep. it, it apparently is not that big of a smokescreen. I don't think they're going to, they're going to try to trick the bucks so much that they, they, you know, fake first team reps to the backup quarterback. Um, what do you think about the potential of, of rotating? I mean, how much does that say about the health of Alex Smith? Yeah. I mean, it says he's nowhere near a hundred percent, which has been, you know, a, pretty much a known deal for about a month now uh, here. And um, you know, I think ultimately Alex will start. I do. Um, but they've now for the last several weeks, four weeks, as a matter of fact, because it was Haskins for a couple of weeks before he was whacked and now Heineke where they've had to split these first team reps or give the backup quarterback most of, if not all of the first team reps, because Alex Smith just hasn't been able to consistently practice. And when he's been full go, uh, which he was on Christmas day, came back into the facility the next day. Uh, and he was, and, and he had, you know, kind of felt it, it pulling on him. Uh, and then he didn't play that Carolina game. So only last week when he was limited in practice, uh, was he able to go? And then obviously as the game went along, it got worse on him and he felt it and he was less effective. So do I think they can rotate the quarterbacks? Yeah. By series, maybe, um, I, I wouldn't expect it in any way, shape or form by play. And some people have suggested to me fans mostly, Hey, you know, if, if it's third and 10 uh, sub out Alex Smith and bring in Taylor Heineke, I, I don't see that happening. Ron Rivera was not specific. I was the one that actually asked him the question, uh, which gave him, you know, the platform to, to answer it this way, which I was a little bit surprised by. Um, so yeah, I think it's a possibility. 
I would just say this. If Alex's calf is tightening up enough where he is clearly struggling and clearly hobbled and they are just sack a palooza or hit a palooza, uh, you know, then just pull the plug and go with Taylor Heineke. I mean, what do you have to lose? You know, but if Alex is able to kind of hang in there and fight and be resilient, then maybe you see, maybe you see in the second half or late in the first half, maybe you see Taylor Heineke in there for maybe a two minute situation or a tempo, you know, by design type situation, something like that. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, and then Chris, uh, Buccaneers fans will never let me hear the end of it. If I don't ask you about Peyton Barber. So uh, Peyton, one of the Buccaneers undrafted gems that they found over the years, I said it when they got him out of Auburn. I said, listen, Peyton Barber is a guy who's going to be a starting running back in the NFL someday. And I was correct for at least a year. Um, and then Ronald <laughs> Jones kind of supplanted them there, specifically towards the end of last season. He ends up leaving as a free agent, lands there in Washington. I mean, I don't expect a whole lot, but is this is this going to be a Peyton Barber revenge game that we're going to see on Saturday? You know, I, I mean, part of me wants to say yes, because, uh, you know, you love that storyline and all that. But David, you know, they haven't used him a lot since week one. Yeah. You know, he had one game, I think, where he had 11 carries. Uh, I believe that was against Dallas, which was a blowout from pretty much the start uh, at home. Um, You know, he's been sprinkled in here and there. They mostly just use him in short yardage situation. You know, Mm -hmm. your third and ones, your fourth and ones, your third and two, your inside the five yard line type of situations. They don't use him, um, you know, as a receiver out of the backfield, even though I know he's got a little bit of skill in terms of the ability to do that they just don't use him creatively enough so you know i in the end because i expect them to be trailing much of if not all game i would probably venture i guess you're not going to see peyton barber more than five to seven times tops you know i'd be surprised if you see him more than that and actually that's you know if you see him 10 12 14 15 times that probably means washington's winning somehow uh, and that's not probably good news for the tampa bay buccaneers no absolutely not uh, he's been chris russell host of the locked on washington football team podcast on twitter at russell mania 621 i'm david harrison host of the locked on bucks podcast on twitter at d harrison 82 my god david always good to be with you my friend i appreciate you and uh, happy new year to all the bucks fans out there and good luck hey prime members You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.